There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the We Got the Chocolates podcast. It's the sports podcast for the non-professionals. If you tried really hard to be good at sport, but never quite nailed it, you're in good company. Check out these less than marvellous bits coming up. Like, like, literally lost his tooth in the warm-up and we had to play with 10 people because he was in hospital. <laughs> when you fight, you don't have to be pretty, you know, you just swing. <laughs> no, they don't have much ice in Rockhampton. Um, well, well. <laughs> 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 110 at 15 yards. <laughs> been that size and that beard since he was 10. <laughs> and, and a voice as well, quite scary. And now over to Lee, Sam and Mitch with the marvellous We Got The Chocolates podcast. Alright, hello, hello, hello and welcome to another episode of the We Got The Chocolates podcast. I'm Lee. I'm Sam. I'm Mitch. And I'm Andrew. That was very tough and the reason that that's so tough, it is episode 91 that you're listening to. There's a lot of firsts actually on the episode tonight, this is quite special. Um, I guess every new episode, guys, is someone's first episode, but this is probably not something we do all the time. We've actually got five people in uh, the studio, in inverted commas, which is just Smallest room in the house. Yeah, <laughs> smallest room in the house. So five people packed in here. And uh, the reason that we have five people, two people sharing a mic, in fact, which is Mitch and Gody. Great combo. So, boys, well done. Early doors there. Um, it's because we have a guest and a very special guest, I think, that has you. May as well interview because I think you were, you can take most of the responsibility for organising this one, can't you? <laughs> a little bit. Not much, but uh, I will introduce him. He's got a bit of a long rap sheet here. He's the 2014 World Player of the Year uh, in hockey. So, I'll bring that out now. Field hockey. That was a real... Uh, just, I mean, you've spoiled it already. Uh, I have to, to mention it early, but <laughs> represented Australia at three Olympics, uh, Olympic gold medalist, four Olympics, um, four-time Commonwealth gold medalist. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's won two World Cup gold medals, won uh, Australian Player of the Year, add to the list the Order of Australian Medal in 2005 uh, and receiving the wonderful honour of being the Australian flag bearer for the 2018 Commonwealth Games. So tonight I would like to welcome former Kookaburras, hockey Jill, captain. It's a bit of a tongue twister. Uh, Mark Knowles. Mark, how you going? Good. Thanks very much for having me, boys. No worries at all, mate. Jeez, that's fantastic. Well done. Is there any other stats that we were uh, incorrect there because obviously just that one at the top that was quite important. I got to. No, no, no. That was the only one. I reckon people see um, that it's three or a lot of people say three because 
I kind of try and write the Rio campaign off because we bombed out in the quarterfinals. So, you know, it's like medal, 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 nothing. You're like, yeah. oh, oh, three or four. That's <laughs> what it is. Yeah. I was probably looking at medals just that's expecting you, you would have won yeah. medals all, at all of them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Very fair. Um, and Mark, I just wanted to obviously thank you for coming on and ask what your podcast experience is like. We've, we've had a few guests on now after 90 odd episodes. Um, some of them are, are like veterans, I suppose. have done plenty of interviews. But we had like Nathan Reardon on last week. It was his first podcast ever. Um, and he reckons he falls asleep every time that one comes onto the car. So it's, <laughs> where, where are you sort of on that spectrum? No, I've, I've done a few. I, uh, I, I like sharing my story. Uh, I think being involved with different people who love sport. I'm a central Queensland, a Rockhampton boy. Grew up loving sport, obviously loving cricket. So it didn't take me much to reply to my uh, to your message, Sam. Uh, and I did tell my 10-year-old who I... He used to take me, Dad, Dad, take me to the, the heat games, take me to the cricket. And I'm like, bloody hell, mate, yeah, radio. And I told him he wanted to come tonight. <laughs> oh, yeah, we could, could add him. Six people in the studio. <laughs> that, that would have been working out well. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I also was just going to uh, let you know, Mark, that every single time that we start an episode, there's basically two jobs that we have to tick off. And uh, one is to obviously give special thanks to our wonderful sponsor of this podcast, which is Alchemy Cordials Australia. Uh, and I believe you've actually, that's, that's your debut tasting experience over there, isn't it? It's a beauty too. I've got the lemon lime, uh, yeah. a bit of soda water, very refreshing. It's, uh, it's cool tonight, but it's still very tasty. So thanks very much. No, most welcome. And uh, you can actually get your hands on some Alchemy product by visiting their website and using the discount code WGTC10 for 10% off and free shipping, which is key. And the other thing that we always do, and this is really what Goaty's here <laughs> on the podcast, is because we always just start with the joke of the day. Now, we were going to give you the opportunity to start that, but we've been <laughs> that, that the vigorous shaking of your head would say that we've been that. Uh, so, Goaty, you're obviously on joke of the day. Yeah, you gave me a lot of notice for this as well, too. So, Can like, you just assume that you do it every week? No, okay. You know what they say when you assume, Lee? But anyway. So, I've just got a real quick one. I, I scoured my uh, phone for about 10 minutes and couldn't find anything. So, just a real quick one. You know, we've got a couple of dads in the room now, so uh, the dads might this one. Boys... What do you call two men in a windowsill? No. Curtain rod. Ooh, yeah, that's good. That's a good one. It's funny that you say that because I met the guy that invented windowsills the other day. Mm-hmm. What a ledge. <laughs> 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 Shit. Uh, that's not a strong start with a special guest in here, Lou. Well, I think mine was better than yours. No, I disagree. <laughs> But, uh, correct me if, you're, if I'm wrong. Uh, I believe you retired from hockey after the 2018 Commonwealth Games. Is that right? Have you have you played any hockey since? Have you played any club hockey? I know. I guess uh, a lot of cricketers will finish playing professionally and go back and play sixth grade and dominate or club cricket somewhere. Yeah. So I still play Div One in Brizzy. I'm player coach of uh, East at Karina. Yep. Uh, I absolutely love it. It's like my Olympics every Saturday. Um, some of the boys got a bit pissed off because I was so serious when I retired. Really? Um, but yeah, I love it still. Um, I'm over 35 now and they want me to play Masters. I said, absolutely no chance. I don't even want to play Div 2. So, yeah, I'm still playing. Uh, My wife is trying to get me to give it up. Um, But I said, (laughs) when the boys can beat me in pre-season, I'll give it up. So (laughs) So I'm trying to stay fit. Is it Saturdays or when when are the games? So you're giving up plenty of hours on a Saturday. Is that why the wife is not so uh, so okay? Because Goaty actually just retired from cricket, mainly for that reason. For other reasons as well. <laughs> I can, you hate it now. Yeah, and I can't move after most days. So. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, mine, yeah, mine's all right because I've got um, 10-year-old boy, 7-year-old boy, 6-year-old girl, all involved in sport, AFL and hockey. Um, my wife still plays Division 2 in Brizzy. Oh, so it's kind of a 
it's a family, family thing, food. yeah. Um, I'm the coaching director at East, so we're there a fair bit. Yep. Do you um, nearly feel more pressure to perform in that than you did at the Olympics? Or oh, <laughs> people rely on you to win the games for them? I think in 2017, definitely in 18, because I was based in Perth for 14 years, yep. came back to Brizzy after we um, went out in Rio at the Olympics, and I was still one Australian player of the year. Uh, and I'd moved back. I was the only national squad player not living in Perth, and I was a captain of the national team. So I was back here. So I felt a lot of pressure then coming back to um, the, the club that I played for when I was 17. Mm. I moved from Rocky. I think now I'm, you know, I'm retired. Yeah. I'm happily retired from international, so I still love it, but I don't find it as much pressure anymore. And the move back, that was just family? Yeah, yeah. My wife and I are both Rocky kids. Yep. Um, we were always going to move back. Um, there's a number of... Players who move to Perth who never come back, you know, they get um, partners over there, they go to Europe, they get partners, they go back to Perth, they never leave. Um, but we always said we'd come back. We probably planned always to come back at the end of 2016 because um, our first child was starting school and we always wanted to be back before they got into school. Uh, and then obviously the disappointment of Rio for us as a team, uh, for me as a player, kind of just made it real. Like, yeah, it's time to go. We need something different. If I want to keep playing, I need something, fresh. yeah, fresher change. Yeah, so it's been great. We love it. Could I bother you for a bit of an update on how hockey is going, like how the Australians are going at the moment and stuff? Sort of one thing that we often get accused of is being, well, we, we try to call ourselves a sport, sports podcast, but we end up being pretty biased towards cricket, really. Like all of us are just <laughs> a bunch of cricket nuffies. We maybe venture out to the NRL or the AFL a little bit, but we sort of a lot of sports fly under our radar, and I think hockey is probably one of them. Well, ah, particularly yeah, awesome. also because we've all had a crack at playing lots of sports. Like we were probably best at at cricket, yep. but like I, I reckon I tried to play everything when I was young. Like definitely AFL, rugby league. One thing I never had a crack at. Like I've actually never stepped foot on a hockey field. Have you got? Have you played? We had a little bit at school. Like that was one of our sports for term, but it was like the the plastic. Yeah. Sticks That's and dust. yeah, and like on a on a field with a synthetic cricket wicket in the middle of it. So believe it or not, the ball didn't roll overly straight. Trust me. <laughs> no, all th- but thanks very much for having me on because I love this. You know, yeah. I, yeah I, one of the reasons I love podcasts and stuff, as I said, is sharing my story. It's something that thinks important for people to hear different stories. And yeah, you guys have got passion and knowledge in a sport, but I, I love coming on and sharing something different. Um, Oh, hockey, yeah, for me, I think is a sport that um, has given me a lot, so that's important for me. Kookaburras are number two in the world. Um, they played like three days ago, right? Uh, they played yesterday and they yesterday. play again tomorrow. So they've this is the last four selection matches before they name the Olympic team. They're in New Zealand. Hockey is number four in the world. So both really good medal potential sports. Um, I mean... The hockey, uh, hockey at the Olympics, sorry, is closer than it's ever been before. There's there's probably about seven men's teams who could actually win gold, and in Rio that played out. So number seven was um, Argentina beat number six in the Olympic final. So right, Argentina yeah. beat Belgium. Yeah. Um, yeah, the women's is not as tight because the Netherlands women are, are so good. They're just, yeah, very good. Yeah. The main reason why I haven't played much hockey is because I'm left-handed, which is always a gripe in my life. Yeah. I, I can't believe they don't have the left-handed hockey sticks. I was thinking, like, surely one day someone's thinking we're going to make a separate competition for left-handers and we're going to, like, 
just divert to left-handed sticks only for one comp. But I feel you know. for you, mate, because I actually hate that about our game. <laughs> I reckon. What, what, why is it? What like is it just a safety thing? Well, it? yeah. So we started off because it's only the flat side. You know, it's always the right-handers, and then if they have the left-handers, you'd always be swinging on the back end, like yeah. coming in from the wrong side. Yeah. So they basically just chose not to and. Oh, mate, it's shocking the amount of left-handed friends I have, you know, who've just had to become hockey players right-handed. Yeah, yeah. They play cricket left-hand and golf left-hand, but they have to play hockey right-handed. Do they, get, do they get good or can you always tell that it's more like a manufactured swing? Sort nah, of? they get good, especially now because more than ever before, the game's on the backhand, so there's a lot of reverse stick hitting. Yeah, true. Now, back in the early 90s, everything was forehand, forehand, forehand. Now everything's on the reverse, so lefties actually are quite good on the reverse yeah. a lot of dribbling one-handed that was never in there you go has you can stop making you excuses can. mate. Get him <laughs> might get it we might well, get him out and yeah. give, you, give you all a hit yeah. i've had some practice the closest i get is playing stump hockey for redlands where we play with like a plastic cricket stump and a yep. uh, tennis ball and it's yeah. quite competitive it's I, a heck of a game we got to show you some footage of this it's like so you're literally just using a cricket stump, stump but a plastic stump and then like everyone just tries to come up with like I go the real sweep sort of technique yeah. and then other people but other people can smack it no? oh, oh, yeah. I, just, I have to sweep as well but some people just yeah you just whack it just, but yeah, yeah it's an amazing amazing game uh, right. we, we play it every, before every game of cricket we have it warm up and that's been the case for about three years so we we're actually quite interested in it and it gets very yeah. competitive yeah. and there's also a lot of cheating in it which is <laughs> <an issue>. like, <laughs> 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 well, well definitely cheating but also, like there aren't really any clearly defined rules like which means it just ends up being a bit of a bloodbath. Like I, had, well, I played third grade last year, and a bloke like literally lost his tooth in the warm up, and we had to play with ten people because he was in hospital. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it's a shame. Yeah. Well, I was going to ask you about that actually, like in the interest of safety. I've been to two hockey games as well. Actually, I went to one and saw it. It's a, this was a ladies' game, yeah. and then just on the like that game that we were talking about, the the uh, Kookaburras game. The New Zealand captain, I think, was smoked in the head. First game. Too. Yeah, yeah, he exactly. got his eye all split open. And that happened in this game that I was watching as well. Like, massive delay, uh, just proper, like, shot on goal, smacked straight in the head. Like, I just imagine, would there any, like, fear factor for... Obviously, the keepers look like Michelin men, and then every other player's just running around with a mouth guard. I think the higher, like you guys, the higher the level, the less dangerous it is. You know, even in Div 1 in Brisbane here, like you got players who are good players, you know, and people always say to me, oh, you must be scared of getting hit. I say, I'm not that stupid. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, so the level at international hockey is pretty awesome. Um, the ball's very rarely in dangerous spots. Um, the penalty corners, like the drag flicking and hitting, that's a bit of danger because they're flicking at you know, 110, 115 from 16 yards with a bloke running straight at it who's four yards away. You're trying to flick stick top, yeah. glove top to try and get around a goalie with all that gear on. Sounds like facing Jack Littlemouth in the nets at Valleys. <laughs> <laughs> 110 at 15 yards. <laughs> <laughs> Who gets signed up to do that job that's just charging at people after penalty corners? Because that looks like a genuine, like, that's like a scene from Braveheart. <laughs> You're just like, these guys are going to get met here, surely. Well, it is, and it, um, it's interesting you say that because in 2012, we lost the Olympics. We lost, oh, we, we got bronze, but um, Germany beat us in the Olympic semi, and we kind of changed the game after that, the Aussies, uh, and we started to put all this focus and attention on the penalty corner runners because everything was about the flickers. Everything was about scoring corners. And we said, what about if we're the only team who is running and is prepared to get hurt, like get hit? 
And we started like praising these blokes who were getting flogged in the knees and shins. Like I'm, I'm standing at halfway, like clapping. I <laughs> know, <laughs> oh, boys, keep it up down there. That looks, yeah, that looks good. Um, but, but we put a lot of attention and focus on it for our team. And in 2014, we won the World Cup final. Or we won the World Cup. Um, and our corner defense were just absolutely amazing. Yeah. And yeah, okay, you score at the other end, three or four corners in a World Cup final. But the opposition team run down, run down, run down. So then they start doing stuff that they didn't want to do. And um, it was huge. It changed the game. So every team now runs what we call it running the barrel. So you're running directly at the flicker, basically saying you either hit me and you don't score or you miss me and the keeper saves it. So it's a pretty pretty brave act. It's It's definitely not not anything I took on. Uh, Every time they ask me, oh, a bit tight hemi, oh, feeling a bit tight in the calf. (laughs) (laughs) When we have our hit together, don't sign me up for that part. Mitch can do that. (laughs) No, we'll put put the gear on you for the goalie when you boys come. (laughs) That would be excellent. That would actually be really good fun, actually. Yeah, uh, that would be. It isn't fair to say... Mark, that uh, like you know that really people that enjoy hockey and it's their sport and they love it. Then things like World Cups and World Championships, they're all over. Yep. But then it feels like as soon as the Olympics are on, even people sort of like us that that enoughies that just love sport yep. and are patriotic and, and get into watching the Olympics, we start to become like really hooked on on hockey for that for that type of thing. Like after every Olympics, you're always like, oh, geez, how good hockey! Yeah. Like I, I love watching it at the Olympics. That's very true. I think um, early on, if I'm honest, like it really, it was one of the frustrations for me as a young guy. I was like, oh, why doesn't everyone love it? Like my parents love it, (laughs) you know, kind of thing. I haven't watched this for two years. Commonwealth Games, Olympics, because we're always a chance of a medal. Um, (laughs) Kind of the, the further I went through my career, I actually stopped getting so upset. I was like, why are we worried about this? It's awesome. If people are talking about our sport at Olympics and Commonwealth Games time, yeah, okay, we want them to turn up to a little Four Nations against Malaysia or someone, but who cares? Like, jump on when it's big. Um, so I probably stopped fighting it a little bit and tried to be a bit more of an ambassador for, I'm all right with this. You know, if you want to support it, because if you do really well, like hockey, when we won gold in 04, we got a group of people who hadn't watched hockey before who followed it then for four years because they wanted to know how we went in Beijing. You know, so it's all right. I just, I think we've become more accustomed to that happening. And I think with the, um, with the like influx and emergence of the pro codes more than ever before, um, like they're taking over the pro codes. I think we just got to try and find our spot as a sport. Um, I think when you fight it, you're always going to risk pushing people away. Whereas if you embrace it, it's like us with junior sport, Redlands, I got all the kids here at Redlands playing on a Saturday morning. Why are we fighting soccer? Just play on a Friday night. Yeah. If soccer wants Saturday morning, yeah, you've got your hockey crew, but don't fight them. Play on a Friday night so the kids can play hockey Friday and soccer Saturday. I don't know. I'm a bit. I'm a bit more on the embracing all rather than choosing, especially with kids who are quite. I've got my young crew are fairly talented, but they also just don't want to play hockey. Dad, but I want to play AFL. Dad, but when can I play cricket? My daughter wants to do gymnastics. I said, yeah, I'm not telling them no because we only play hockey. And I I know I've seen Australia obviously does well at most competitions in hockey, Mm. but they've probably done better 
at the Commonwealth Games and the Olympics, like yeah. more gold medals there when you were playing. Is is that because it's just less nations involved or do you think you actually played better hockey at the Commonwealth Games in general? Nah, definitely less nations. Uh, Euro are the power. Yeah. Yeah, especially in the last 20 years, Europe, um, Europe's taken really the big portion of hockey. So you got, you know, Germany won the World Cup in 2002. They beat us in the final. We won the Olympics in 2004. Germany beat us in the World Cup final 2006. Germany won the Olympics in 2008. We beat Germany in the World Cup final 2010. Germany won the Olympics in 2012. We won the World Cup in 2014. So from 2000 Olympics till 2016 Olympics, only Australia or Germany won every international tournament. Uh, And then second, third and fourth was GB, the Netherlands and Belgium. Federer versus Nadal. It is, yeah. Yeah. It's huge, yeah. Two powerhouses. Um, India are emerging again. Um, England are good. New Zealand are good, but not like the Netherlands, Belgium and Germany traditionally. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely com games. Because we were talking before, like before we started recording, saying that India, we've done some trips to India for Uh, cricket and stuff, and you always associate India with cricket, but they reckon their world game is actually, their biggest game is actually hockey. They won eight Olympic golds in a row. Wow. In the 50s and 60s. That's why it became their, their sport, their, oh, their right. um, <laughs> national game. They won yeah, that makes some eight sense. Olympic gold medals in a row. You're probably jumping it's on board there as a fan. That's to be pretty good bef- like beforehand in India then if they're winning that many though. like You had to have some sort of people oh, coming through the ranks. So, huge. Yeah. But they um, India's biggest struggle was they just didn't come to terms with artificial turf. So they won everything on grass and because money, resources, they just didn't, they didn't want to go with the international game when it moved to artificial turf and it actually took them about 30 years to catch up. Uh, Like, I mean, in 2008 in Beijing, they came last at the Olympics. Wow. Yeah. So now they're back to number five in the world now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. And post-retirement now, you sort of, you're sort you doing a bit of work with the QIS. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So. Well, I've just finished wow. at the QIS. Yeah. Um, so I was there for four years working in athlete well-being and engagement. Yep. Um, loved it, working with 30 Olympic, Paralympic, Commonwealth Games sports. Um, for me... I guess I learned quite a lot out of hockey because we, we had to have a dual career. You had to actually work quite hard on relationships because you're living in Europe, you're living in India, you got 27 blokes in a national program, of which only three are from Perth. Yeah. 
So you got to work quite hard on your well-being of living away from home. You definitely got to have dual career. So that was important for me. Um, and I've just started a new role as a national technical lead of Hockey Australia. So I've moved back into technical mm-hmm. um, and technical work with Hockey Australia. That's full time? Full time, yeah. So kind of overseeing all of um, under 18s, 21s, national development squad work, um, leading or getting players better prepared to play for Australia. Uh, across male, female, so it's quite a quite a big role. A little bit of travel, which my wife is not as um, happy with because I haven't travelled for three and a half years since I retired, basically. So, yeah, it's the biggest change for me at the moment, but very enjoyable. When you were playing, like, do you have any off-season or because you were playing overseas, different comps is always hockey on? Or? Yeah, it's 49 weeks a year with the national program. Oh, wow. Um, oh, yeah, so we get um, the two... The 10 days off after Christmas and normally about 10 days off after the major tournament, which is, again, in kind of Europe normally, so in their summer, uh, where guys can go and stay over in Europe. Um, for me, I chose to play professionally in the Netherlands. So do you get that as a choice? Like, do people actually go, no, I'm not going to do that? Play in Europe? Yeah. Uh, there's not a lot of contracts Um available and certainly... So you the, have to be good, obviously. Yeah, you yeah. do, yeah. Yeah. Um, you got to be what they're looking for as well, and there's quite significant costs involved because there you got to fly home for our national competition. You always want to fly home for summer break. Um, so I did five seasons in Europe, which was pretty awesome, and then five um, in India in the Hockey India League. Yeah, so so you spent a few years playing professionally over in India, um, and I, I wanted to ask you a bit about that because I, I certainly haven't. But I know Lee, you've played played cricket over in India. What what, what was that experience like? I imagine like yeah. Eat a lot of curry and it gets quite warm, I suppose. Oh. Definitely, mate. <laughs> Both I've played. Uh, I played the Com Games in the middle of summer, forty-seven point one degrees in the Com Games final, ten a.m. in the morning, and we absolutely smacked India eight-one in the Com Games final. So that was an amazing moment. Uh, and then playing professionally over there uh, for the Punjab Warriors up in uh, Chandigarh, Kings Eleven Punjab boys staying at the same hotel. Oh, it's up near the uh, Himalayas, yeah. so it's really cold. Uh, we were in winter. Um, yeah, they they didn't provide us with enough cool gear. Eh? It was uh, <laughs> it was bloody cold. A couple of budget cuts that year. Yeah, there was. No yeah, hoodies. We, we lost the year before. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, boys. Just just the DTs this time. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, boys. Training your budgies. <laughs> I was thinking if you're sick of playing in like hot areas, you could go to a country that plays a similar sport. You probably think it's totally different, but like Canada and play ice hockey. I don't know. Have you ever played ice hockey? Is it something you think you'd be all right at? Or I I tried to use that early on, mate. When I was young, like, oh yeah, hockey, yeah. yeah. Solid, hit a few blokes, but as as I got up and I'm still 76 kilos and 180 centimetres ringing wet, uh, I haven't hit many blokes. So I watched the ice hockey. I'd love to play, but can't skate and can't hit a bloke, so I wouldn't fit in. How long do you reckon it'd take you to be good enough at ice skating to work? I think it's more the fighting you've got to work on, isn't it? Yeah, at least when you fight, you don't have to be pretty, you know, you just swing. (laughs) Whereas to be a good ice hockey player, we went twice uh, for our club in Europe uh, for just um, team events. Mate, I had the frame out. You know, <laughs> they don't have much ice in Rockhampton. Um, well, well. <laughs> ice skating rings, let me. Rings. Ice under the feet, you mean. <laughs> so, yeah. It was a battle for me, mate. Mm. I've heard that about that. <laughs> Right. Well, let's go. Let's get back to your Rockhampton days for a little bit there, Mark. Uh, I, I, like every country town that we've ever 
been to, visited, played cricket in, whatever. They're, they're very love, love their sport like, always. Uh, how did it end up being hockey, I guess, that, that you were sort of, that you were most suited to? Did you have a crack at playing other sports? Because they just love sport. Every country town that we've certainly ever visited on, on Wanderers tours and things like that, they look like they'd just have a crack at anything. Yeah, um, mine was my parents. I think um, you mentioned it before about hockey. Like if you or your family have been involved in hockey, you kind of stay in it, you know. So most of my my parents played state level for Queensland, Tasmania. Mm. Uh, my uncle played at a high level. Older brother, older sister, younger sister all played. So I guess my family um, and their friends were all hockey people. So that kind of attracts you a little bit. I think the second part is back in the late 80s, early 90s, there wasn't a lot um, of options in Rocky, if I'm honest. Um, you know, there was no rugby sevens. There was no AFL. You know, there was hardly any um, netball for the girls. There was definitely no big bash for the women. There was no AFLW. So it was really like in uh, Rockhampton, it was rugby league, hockey and cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, so I played hockey in the... In the winter and cricket in the summer. Yeah, that frame you spoke about as well for your ice hockey, probably not that suited to rugby league. No, it wasn't. I played until year seven when the boys got a bit big. Mm. Uh, High school and then, nah, thanks. I'll sit this one out. That's what happened to Mitch as well because he was like touted to be the next big thing when he was 12 and then that was just turned out just because he was bigger than everyone else. Were you actually? Were you bigger than everyone else at your age? Yeah, I think I I finished growing when I was about nine, I reckon. He's been that size and that beard since he was 10. (laughs) And and a voice as well, quite scary. (laughs) That's right. I guess guess a good story is like that I, I don't know if it's true or not, but I read somewhere that you didn't make the under 15 Queensland state team. So any like young people out there guys can take some some strength from that, knowing if they didn't make the rep teams growing up, they can. Yeah, definitely, man. I think um, that's something that um, I've probably been really proactive in sharing some of the things that haven't gone right. And I think for me, that was the first time that I'd never made a team. You know, you're the best young kid in Rockhampton. We came third at the state championships. Uh, and we didn't get one player in the Queensland squad oh. of 20 in under 15s. Still adamant you should have made it? Oh, <laughs> I am, but my parents um, drove me home from Maribor and uh, I just remember sitting in the back sulking and uh, we got about an hour home, uh, hour from home and mum just said, are you just going to sit there and sulk for the next 12 months or are you going to actually change and do something about it? And I thought, I just don't want, the, I don't want that feeling again. Yeah, you're 14, you think you're bulletproof and you've never had much go wrong. And um, I was pretty lucky as well because my parents had just put a tennis court in. We mm. grew up on a property. So my parents had just put a tennis court in with a AstroTurf um, sand-based tennis court. So I basically just had this opportunity just to snap. I just became this kid who just trained every day. And I think um, one of the things if people spoke about me, I reckon, is like my absolute love of just individual accountability and training i just never really had to fight against anyone for high standards i reckon that went all through my career like i never actually said oh i wish i was as good as that bloke i just said i just need to get better so i just loved this um like the thrill of becoming better myself and i guess yeah country town allowed it growing up on a property allowed it having a tennis court you know my dad drew hockey goals on it was sand base probably allowed it um you know the next year yeah, we, we um, I made the team and, you know, you start progressing then. So that was one of those moments where I tell the kids that things change quick. Eh? It's like now you have a bad result in school or something, you know, six months later you can still get a job. You break up with a partner, male or female, you know, girl or boy, you can still 
get another one. Um, you know, you lose a grand final, you still turn up to preseason. Yeah, that Lee. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 that's actually that's been the biggest piece I've taken out of this. <laughs> 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 Real hope for me. It's excellent. I so I did. Uplifting. I did love that about Rocky. Yeah. That was one of the things people say. Oh, you must have been so kind of. Um, uh, you missed out on heaps growing up in the country. Oh, your parents had to drive you to Brizzy for training camps. Oh, your parents had to drive you to Townsville for training camps. I said, oh yeah, but what about all the cool stuff? Like I used to ride my bike to hockey. Mm. Didn't have to. Didn't have to pay for any fields. Mm. Didn't have to wait in line. Didn't have to sit in traffic. You know. I'd go from hockey to cricket, cricket to hockey, hockey to rugby league, rugby league to hockey, yeah. train whenever you want, do whatever you want. So I quite, I always talk very fondly about growing up instead of some of the things you miss out on. Yeah, no, no waves up there to surf though, unfortunately. No, but we are, we do have the new wave pool they're designing. Yeah. That's uh, on, the, yeah, on the way to your poon. I've there. surfed there before. Have you? Yeah, yeah, it's good. Yeah. Great, great wave pool. Do you reckon they're going to get it? Bigger and better, apparently. Yeah, yeah. It was just a, just a testing facility at the moment, but yeah. Get your sponsor in their house. You want to? No, they, don't, they don't sponsor me. No, no, no. <laughs> but no talks do. They will. Oh, yeah, <laughs> there it is. There it is. Oh, seamless. <laughs> Cha-ching. <laughs> they will soon. Yeah, <laughs> Mark, any um, any teams that you used to you know either hate playing against or love playing against while you're on the road? Um. Oh nah, not hate. No, nah. we probably had a hatred and a rivalry with the Netherlands and Germany because they're our biggest competitors. I think that was because they were good. One, yep, yep. we thought we were good, or we wanted to be good, and they were so different to us. You know, when you play structures and styles that are just so not like you, they're beautiful hockey players. They're very technical. So we would hit. You know, we would hit someone. We'd say like, "You ready for this contest?" And they'd say, "Oh, mate, just like." Find your own space. Like, mate, you're going to get this for 70 minutes. <laughs> so, so, had, so there is like proper sledging and stuff. Like this ver- verbal warfare in uh, in those high levels of hockey. Yeah, definitely, yeah. Um, I think it's gotten less and less with the emergence of technology. So now they can review everything. You know? Yeah, so that has taken away some of the physicality. There's very, very little um, behind-the-play stuff like there was mm. when I was coming through. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, they, they were kind of rivalries. And then you had the, like, the India-Pakistan-Australia, which was India-Pakistan, like, just crazy. And then we were somewhere between them and Europe. Yeah. So we always tried to play that run and gun crazy. They yeah. were just better at it than us. Yeah. Um, so that was a few rivalries. I, I reckon I might have played against, uh, I might have played footy against one of those polite Netherlands fellas on the weekend, I reckon. I've, this, this is literally what happened. I can't make this up. So we're, we're playing this footy game on the weekend, Aussie rules, and we beat the team by like 150 points. Mitch, you can't watch like the last quarter, I think. Like it was it was a bloodbath. And uh, anyway, we got one guy on our team that just loves pounding people, essentially. He just loves smoking people with tackles. And uh, despite the fact we're 160 points up, he still felt the need to just drive people it's into someone. the dust, essentially. Yep. So he's got his opportunity, nailed this bloke, and uh, and hit him fairly hard, high, high tackle. That'll be a free kick, thanks. And he says to the bloke, I'll hit you in the shoulder, get up, you bitch. He said that was his exact quote. And I was sort of like, oh, geez, this can't be good because this big ruckman on their team, we're playing Ipswich, huge ruckman, tattoos everywhere. And I was like, this is no good. Like if this guy fires up, I'm fresh out of here. I'm chasing the ball and you look after whatever you've done to yourself. Like chasing the ball, you're yeah. hiding on the bench. That's, yeah, that's right. Exactly. I was looking for a little quick interchange. <laughs> anyway, so the big fella, the big ruckman comes over and I'm like expecting him to blow up about this high shot. And he just goes, mate, what are you doing? There's no need for that. Why would you call him a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, <laughs> I thought he was going to blow up about the high tackle. He's just like, no, that's fine. Just You don't have to speak to him like that. <laughs> Surely he would have had worse at lip switch, you would have thought. Well, obviously not. <laughs> I don't know. Are there any teams where you feel like, like they had a mental edge over you that like that just they might, might not have been good physically, but mentally they just had an edge over you? Um, I'd like to say no, and actually we never really talked about it, but everybody talks about Germany, yeah, e- yeah. you know, even in football, in soccer, you know, it's like, oh, well, the Germans will score in injury time. It's a bit similar in hockey. I reckon they they kind of, um, and it's an interesting one because Moritz Furster was the captain, him and I captained the, both national teams for five, six years. Uh, he won World Player of the Year a couple of years, and I won it, then he won it. And he always says that sometimes when we used to hear other people talking about, oh, the Germans will do it, we started to talk ourselves into it. We we're like, oh, well, they're saying we'll we'll probably win in the quarterfinal. He said sometimes we didn't even believe it, but other teams used to say it. So the players used to get this thing like, oh, well, I guess we will get good soon. So I reckon we actually inflamed that fire a little bit sometimes by, by kept saying, oh, yeah, well, the Germans will just stuff around in the round games then they'll come big. Um, so I think in a bit of both, that kind of hurt us. Um, you know, in 2012 at the Olympics, we were number one team in the world. They were number two and they um, they gave us a touch-up in the semi. But they hadn't played how they played in the Olympic semi for four years. And they said all we were doing was waiting to play Australia in the London Olympic gold medal match. We said, yeah, we played them in the semi and we beat them. But they'd been preparing for four years to play us in one Olympic final differently. We'd played them 13 times and they'd never done what they did. And I reckon they're the only country could be who could be that brave, whatever that is, you know, like courageous, brave to say we'll lose for 13 times to win once. Mm. See, we would never do that for Australia. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, so I reckon a bit of that, they were the only team we would ever talk about before. Yep. Everyone else, we had the proper wood on. Mm. Like the Netherlands, you know, they said we'll just play anyone except Australia. We smacked them World Cup final six one in their home stadium. Oh, wow! You know, and they didn't. They just didn't think they could win. I was going to ask actually about sort of that other end of the spectrum, like teams that you had the wood on. Mm. Lee, Lee just mentioned that he's beaten Ipswich one hundred and fifty to seven or something on the weekend. What we got the wood on them? Yeah. <laughs> what's what's like the most ridiculous scoreline you've seen throughout your hockey career? Is, is six nil the equivalent of one hundred and fifty to seven or what? No, um, oh, it's been bigger ones than that, haven't they? Yeah, I think monsters. The thing is, is that even when you play in the games where you belt minnows you don't enjoy it you guys know yeah, it from sport exactly. like we never like that um, but we beat unfortunately we um we had to play Papua new guinea in the oceania cup and this is probably a bit of a um not a nice thing for our game but they're trying to build the game so they say yeah oh, we want png or samoa to play in a tri-series with new zealand australia we say why don't we just send a couple of players and a coach there and we help your game over there. No, 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 we want to play. So we beat them 40 nil. Oh, <laughs> and that's just not good for the game, yeah. you know? So you're playing in those games and you hate it. Yeah. I'd much rather play in, you know, in a game where you think you might lose. Yeah. Olympic semi where everything's on the line than those games. So that was tough. And that happened twice. Two Oceania Cups we had to play. And they're the ones where you feel bad for the game. Yeah. <laughs> like guys are trying not to score. 
Like, I don't want to tell my parents I scored today. That's just bad. Reminds me a little bit like when I bowl to Lee in club cricket. It's exactly <laughs> sort of like this, that exact sort of feel. It's so not I've fun just, anymore. I just did not want to bowl to this guy again. Again. He did say that in the pre, pre-match chat we had. He said, you're in his head. <laughs> you please stop giving him the microphone? <laughs> <laughs> He's going to start charging you 10 bucks for the individual lessons. He's I'm, giving so, you. I'm so glad you retired. <laughs> 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 All right. um, we've jumped around a little bit here, Mark, but uh, I was I was just wondering. We, we you mentioned that you love sharing your story, and, and that's why we love having you on this podcast as well. We actually it's sort of like a running joke on this podcast because Has obviously is good at cricket. Uh, Goaty was very good, played one game for Queensland. Um, what happened well. after that? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we're pretty well. I don't think we need to go much more into it. <laughs> anyway, but myself and Mitch, I guess, we, we've sort of like always been uh, semi-good at every sport and never quite good enough at any of them sort of thing. And probably a lot of people can relate to that. I've always blamed it on the fact that I had a knee reconstruction when I was uh, 19 and that that just killed sort of the, the massive sort of rocket part of my uh, career. Uh, but then I read a couple of things about your luck at 19 uh, in your hockey career as you were sort of starting to uh, get that off the ground and I feel like maybe I can't use that excuse anymore. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough time, mate. Um, so I'd wanted to play for Australia since, I reckon seriously, since I was 15. My parents took me to the Olympics when I was 16 in Sydney and that was like my wow moment. I can do this. I want to do this. But probably 15, started watching international hockey a lot uh, and you start getting good. You know, you're one of the best players in Queensland. Um, so I'd wanted to play for Australia for a number of years. It happened a lot quicker than what I would have thought. Uh, finished year 12, 2001, moved straight here. Um, day after I finished school, planned to be here for kind of two or three years to get into the Queensland men's because I hadn't even played for Queensland in senior men. Um, moved here, stayed here for a year and then, um, national coach called me from Perth. Said, mate, you coming to Perth for the national team? Said, oh, I don't even know any of the blokes. He said, nah, they don't know you either, but you're still coming. <laughs> That's um, not a prerequisite to yeah. know the blokes. <laughs> yeah. So I was, uh, I was 18. I hadn't even turned 19. I moved to Perth. Um, the first day that I made the Australian men's team, I broke my ankle. Um, so I was like, oh, yeah, that's pretty tough. Oh, what do I want to do? Mum and dad came over and stayed for a couple of weeks while I was on crutches. And um, I basically just took the time. Uh, I, I think I share this story pretty well, but I actually think I wasn't ready. Like when I watched, I thought to myself, I wouldn't be able to play with these guys. I'm actually not good enough. And I think I was a long-term project, which was okay. But I reckon the four months of watching just allowed me to feel like the intensity and the speed of what they were doing. Um, So every time they were on the field, I was on a rollout chair like this, just dribbling with my foot in a cast. Every time they went to the gym, I was boxing on a chair. Every time they were in a video, I was in video. So I was really engaged. And I think I got gained a lot of respect out of the guys from just actually, oh, well, he can't play, but he's still here. Like, Jesus, we're running laps. He's, you know, on the rower or the ski erg while we're on the field. Um, six, um, four months later, 16 weeks on the day, I was allowed to train for the last half an hour of the f- session. Bloody cold, middle of July in Perth. And um, I stepped on a guy's stick and broke my ankle again. Oh, same uh, ankle? Same ankle, yeah. That's yep. no good. So... My first year in the national program in Perth in 2003, a year before the Olympics in Athens, I didn't train once with the men's team because I started back in December, 1st of December, and they were all on their Christmas break because they got an extended break because it was such a heavy Olympic year. So Barry gave everyone four weeks off. So I had to train on my own. 
um, across Christmas. And he said, yeah, we're going to take you to the, to the Aslan Shah because we're giving all of our senior guys a rest yeah. before the Olympics. So he said, we're going to take you to, to uh, Malaysia if you get through training in this next four weeks. So I went to Malaysia with a pretty much a development team, made my debut 11th of January. Not even six months later, we won the one and only ever gold medal for men's hockey. So it was pretty amazing. Like Barry was very open. He said, we won't have anybody at the Olympics with less than 50 games experience. He said, you need two years of international hockey to be ready for the Olympics. And I played my first game at the Olympics was cap 30 after six months. So, so I was pretty, trend. yeah, I was pretty lucky. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I actually like, I don't, I don't think it's bad to not be ready. You know, like I needed that. I was like, well, I'm, I'm not good enough for these blokes. Yeah. But watching it and feeling the intensity and okay, when he talks, you listen. When that guy says run or we should do some extra fitness this afternoon, and ten blokes look away, I don't want to be in the ten that look away. I'm in yeah. the fifteen that say, yeah. Yeah. And I just jumped on this crew of blokes who were doing a bit extra. Mm. And I reckon it really helped. That's cool. So, yeah, 2003, never trained once with the national team in my first year. <laughs> That's uh, awesome. Yeah. That is awesome. That is a fair story. Um, yeah, because I, I was actually coaching a, I was coaching a kid in cricket the other day and I was excited about you coming on the podcast. I was speaking to his dad. His dad was like, yeah, Mark Knowles, he's actually, he's actually come and done a speech. Like he's done like a, a bit of speaking for our work. As well, and like I, I think he actually told me what your message was, but I just didn't have enough room in my brain to remember that. I could just remember yeah. that you did some speaking. So mm. is that is that sort of the stuff that you you try and just about your journey and, and that sort of thing? Uh it depends. Different crews that I talk to. So yeah, nice. probably in the last twelve months or two years, I've probably done a bit more stuff around leadership. Mm. Uh, I was captain. Well, I was co-captain of the national team for six years. Yeah, that's right. And then. Um, captain on my own for the last four years. So, for, you know, for nine and a half years, I was captain of the national team. So you learn a lot. Um, I think one of the things that I enjoy about speaking with um, corporate work groups, people like that, is that um, I'm not precious at all. Like people think, oh, what type of this um, bloke are we going to get here? So, mate, you're just getting a kid from Rocky <laughs> and I'm going to tell it exactly how it is. Yeah. Uh, I said, I am not afraid at all of telling you how I stuffed it up. And I stuffed up some leadership. Um, but I think my big message for people is you kind of – my th- three themes for leadership is leading self. So you got to understand yourself before you can tell others what to do. Uh, leading others, I think I became um, quite a good leader or a better leader when I knew more about myself. And then my big thing in the last four years um, after Rio or around Rio time was leading for the future because I knew that I was done. You know, in two years, and I was like, mate, well, when I'm done, someone else is going to be captain for the first time in nine years. So it can't all be about me. Mm. I can take every team talk, but in two years when I retire, who's going to do it then? So that's probably more of where I've got to now. Um, I think the kids, like young kids, love the story and the journey and, and that stuff. And then the, you know, the businesses, they want a bit more around... How'd you get out of your slumps? How do you work with groups? Like 27 blokes in a national team, of which 10 you don't really like. Yeah. But you need them if you want to win. Yeah, Not everyone's my best friend. That's fine. <laughs> and then I just got a, quite a bit out of the uh, girlfriend thing. <laughs> Relationships. <laughs> Relationships, <laughs> girlfriends. Yeah, something for everyone. <laughs> there is. That's right. Well, uh, Mark, you have uh, you've absolutely been magnificent, and we appreciate you uh, coming into our jam packed studio here. Now, before you uh, before you depart, too, we've got something for you here. Oh, 
I thought I had it. Um, yeah, but this this market, this is courtesy of uh, basically what happened is obviously our name, we got the chocolates for the podcast. It was actually just an expression that we used to always win, like, use for winning. Winning, yeah. yeah exactly. Oh, you've heard, yeah, often, yeah, use yeah. it. Yeah. Use it all the time. Someone's got it. Yeah, someone's got it. Exactly. So so, so we, we do that, but then we've also been accused of false advertising by previous guests um, about the fact that they only said yes to coming on because they thought they were going to get chocolates. <laughs> and so with well, the help of that, uh, mate, so I was coming on just for the chat. <laughs> yeah, that's right. With the help of uh, Amy Sargentson, who is a wonderful uh, chocolate factory, I guess you'd say, has next to you at Albion there. Very dangerous, right across the road from training. Yeah. So I do drop in there every now and then for yep. some chocolate. They have given us oh. one of the great hampers here um, so that you literally get the chocolates as well for coming on. So Thank you very much, Amy. Yeah, Amy. Yeah, Amy. Yeah, I've spent a bit of time over there at Albion at Queensland Cricket um, for a few meetings and stuff. So I normally just go to the... Black Collingwood, is it? The coffee or whatever it's It's changed his name, name a few is times. It? I reckon oh, okay. that, that it's place. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's cut that bit out. And we'll just go like for they change their underpants. <laughs> and we'll just go for the chocolates. Uh, thanks, guys. No, Loved being on. Uh, that's awesome, mate. We, we appreciate you being here so much. Uh, well deserved. And um, and we definitely, you've got a couple of things coming up, obviously. You're going to gonna make your way. Well, you're not going to the Olympics, are no. you? But you'll be involved from afar. Yeah, yep. I'll head um head up to Darwin with the the men's program in a couple of weeks, and then we go and uh, select our national under twenty one squads. We got junior world cups, uh, which is under twenty one world cup in December later this year. Uh, let's hope the world goes ahead, um, but we have to select our next crop of players anyway. Um, yeah, that's in Sydney, and then we we're hosting a, a massive brand new domestic series, uh, which is going to be in Queensland somewhere in August. Nice. Um, then yeah, club finals and all of the good stuff, and yeah. then yeah, That's right, outstanding, plenty coming up, man. Plenty That's coming awesome. up. Awesome. Well, we might just quickly round up this episode. I guess that is episode ninety-one done. Thank you very much for listening. Um, Mitch, we obviously want people to get in contact with us if they've got an idea for a guest that might be magnificent to talk to or just a story that they think would fit on the podcast, or even maybe they want to tell on the podcast. Where can they do that? Uh, on the website we've got thechocolates.com.au you'll find little links to send us an email or anything like that there's even a speak pipe at the bottom if you want to yeah, give us an audio story that we'll play on the podcast so get around that and if you enjoyed listening to the episode as much as we did recording it with Mark uh, please leave a uh, review five star rating and a review would be awesome and wherever you listen and don't forget to buy some merch just get up to winter we've got two hoodies in the land room ready to be sold so yeah, it's for very small people very small people <laughs> So Lee's got his name on both of them. <laughs> <laughs> so that's also on the website. We got the chockies.com.au. It's chocolates, but I just said chockies. Yeah. yeah, that's perfect. Great accuracy. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks very much. Thank you. Uh, that's awesome. And also just remember, obviously, that you can support our sponsor, which is Alchemy Cordial Australia. Head to their website. Use the discount code WGTC10, 10% off and free shipping. And also remember that uh, Mark Knowles has definitely played in four Olympics and not three. <laughs> that's the key takeaway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and and it has stinks at research. <laughs> awesome, guys. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with episode 92, same time next week. Good luck in the future. Stumps. Uh, yes. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.